is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and I'm joined by my winningest co-host of them all, Dave. How are you doing today, dear? I'm doing very well indeed, darling. And <laughs> uh, the question, of course, is uh, if I'm winning, then who's losing? Well, by matter of elimination, I guess that's supposed to be <laughs> me. Thank you very much. Good thing we still have our listeners to help me above my depression from time to time. And I'll just a little quick shout out here to Thomas. Thanks for being a faithful YouTube listener consumer of ours. You're one of the few. Let's hope you get a lot of people joining you very soon. Indeed, indeed. Our, uh, our YouTube audience is small, but very, very welcome. <laughs> so speaking of things that are not quite so small, uh, there was a, an article around uh, on Datanami uh, around winning who's winning in open source data tech. The article's a bit uh, meh, not that interesting. But there are two graphs in the article that I think are worthy of discussion. Uh, the this is a, a survey done by uh, some folks called Open Logic, who are a subsidiary of Perforce, who are a uh, manufacturer of version control software. Yes, those things still exist. Not everyone uses Git. And in fact, I think Perforce can be integrated with Git because everybody's using that anyway. But if we ignore all of that, there are two graphs. And the first graph is uh, from their survey. They, they're not particularly uh, detailed on talking about exactly who they were talking to in their survey. But they, they rank a bunch of open source data technologies by uh, both uh, maturity from bleeding edge to mature and uh, or in importance to modern development. And uh, I mean, this, this kind of, it's in, a, in the, the typical sort of Gartner magic quadrant style view. So again, you know, great opportunity for you to jump onto YouTube and see the <laughs> particular graph that we're talking about. I mean, what do you think? What's the the one single most surprising uh, standout uh, technology in its position on this graph to you? What's the first one that you think is um, weird in terms well, of its location? There's so many weird things there. I mean, I mean, some of the products I don't even know about. Uh, Strimzy never heard of the thing it's also located in the bleeding edge and not very important stuff so i guess i'm not missing out on much um but for me the, the hardest thing to look at this is the bleeding edge to mature ranking they have here because some of the products are not where i would expect them to be for example spark being just on the cusp on the halfway mark line between bleeding edge and mature while in my own up, uh, uh, well, my own idea for Spark is that it's pretty mature by this point. I mean, immature for me, bleeding edge for me, means still lacking functionality. If you want to start using it, you have to jump to a whole bunch of hoops to get it running. And if it runs, it's going to break any second. Spark isn't that. I mean, Spark, even in the Hadoop days, and we're talking like 10 years ago now, maybe, it was already pretty much something you could just download, spin up and use in production. So having it as a, in the middle between bleeding edge and mature in 2021, that's actually quite surprising to me. 
And especially then compared to Kafka, which is still in full development, trying to reinvent itself these days, being mm. put almost at the full right in the maturity curve. Mm. I, I, th I think that some of this, I mean, in my mind at least, this just comes down to the audience that they're asking. I, I, my guess would be that a lot of the organizations that they were talking to or interviewing or you know whatever must be on the sort of uh, let's say not at the cutting edge of uh, of what's going on i i can imagine that uh, that they're more on the the, the trailing edge of uh, of advancements and for that i can maybe see spark sort of still being somewhat new to those kinds of organizations and i think it's it's more that uh, reflecting in the data. Whereas I think Kafka, I mean, uh, Kafka continues to be almost ubiquitous across enterprises at this point. Like almost everybody has a Kafka environment in some way, shape or form. Almost, somewhat, almost everybody apart from Jan uh, is using Kafka in some way, shape or form more off well no maybe not more often than not it, it it's not certainly not uh infrequent for me to find people using kafka in ways that i think is maybe not the best way to use it but mm. you know that's often the way with uh that's not limited to kafka there's a lot of technologies where that happens but i i do i do think there are more people using kafka than there are using spark and i i wonder if that's the thing that is influencing the sort of position of things on here. Well, maybe, but if you look at Spark, then again, if you say, okay, these people aren't using Spark in anger, so they're not aware of it, blah, 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 then it couldn't be this high on the important to development uh, level. Then it would be much more down because if, if Spark would be in quadrant uh, four, Hmm. Then, yeah, you could say they're not used to working with it because it's not important for them. So and if, you do, if you do nothing with data science, then Spark is a very strange thing, strange animal, new animal, don't know what it is. You could perceive it as being uh, bleeding edge, immature, because you don't know how to work with a sophisticated person. But it's up hmm. on the importance level, meaning they use it and they think it's important. I, no, I don't think that's what it means. I think what they, I think what this is reflecting is that the they can see that it is or will be important. Like they, they want to get towards more usage of Spark, but they're maybe not using it as heavily as they would like today. And we'll get onto the, the, the next graph that kind of explains some of this, which I think correlates my thinking, but I, I don't know. You're right. Like that's a bit of a weird one for me, but like the, the strangest one for me to answer uh, my own question is, uh, is Hadoop on this um on this graph like it's it's you know more mature than spark which kind of makes sense <laughs> but it's only just over the sort of the the line of from bleeding edge to mature uh and it that just i mean hadoop's been around for a very 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 long time at this point uh in sort of as far as enterprise technologies are concerned so if if you don't consider Hadoop to be mature at this point, then I don't know what is. And this is why, in my opinion, this is more about the audience that is 
uh, is being interviewed rather than maybe more of a, a wider perception of where these where these technologies might land if you were to interview a wider population of people. Well, I'm going to be a good co-host and disagree with you. Because <laughs> 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 for me, Hadoop actually makes sense. I mean, you're right that it's uh, old enough to be mature. So in age, in years, it might be considered very mature at this point. But um, the thing is, um, Hadoop kind of never had a chance to completely crystallize out. It kind of got stuck in its midlife crisis and never got mm. out of the bad boy uh, phase of his life. Because at a certain point, we had this uh, in the prediction show years ago by now, it kind of fragmented. And where originally Hadoop was, well, he had Spark and Hive and all these things in there, those specific things, Kafka as well was a part of uh, Hadoop more or less, those have now become their own individual mature projects, mature or immature, depending on what uh, project you're looking at. But the Hadoop ecosystem itself, even at its uh, in the heydays, when we were both still very deep in the whole Hadoop ecosphere when we started this podcast. <laughs> Indeed. Um, it was still a very uh, iffy decision to start with Hadoop because you really didn't know today what it's going to be look like tomorrow. It was really evolving a lot. Projects got added, removed, recycled, changed. You had some security thrown in, pulled out again. And then you had Hortonworks and Cloudera merging together, the two ecosystems merged together, which never... I mean, yeah, they had a, a, a unified distribution in the end, but it never had, a, for me at least, a clear message that this is Hadoop. If you deploy mm -hmm. Hadoop, this is what you get. And that, for me, does spell immaturity even on an older project. And for me, it was just inherent to the fact that it was such a complex thing. It was a project of projects. All but you, you saw, I, yeah, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from this because you saw all of the, you know, what were previously Hadoop companies, you know, Mapar, Cloudera, Hortonworks. You saw them. I mean, Mapar went pop. Um, Cloudera and Hortonworks merged, but even before those things happened, like all of those organizations were distancing themselves from Hadoop. They were all you know, rebranding themselves as data companies, AI companies, you know, uh, all these kind of things. Uh, so yeah, that that does that does make sense. Uh, I do think, however, that the rebranding uh, made the uh, the downward trend for Hadoop faster. And I'm not sure entirely that was the right thing to do because I know, I mean, my thinking is that they did this because they wanted to stay in the, the hype cycle and uh, mm. big data was, well, we did that. The next thing is data science. So we need to be AI companies now. I think if the Hadoop companies had stayed through to their uh, origins, they could have been the backbone of all this data science AI stuff right now. And some of the spin-off companies or resulting projects actually are that today. And the MAPR Hortonworks just could maybe have been that. I mean, Cloudera is definitely still trying to be that. But as you said, very much in the data science workbench, mm. looking at that data science thing, where there is definitely at the early days when this rebranding happened, they didn't really have what it took to compete with the actual data science stuff in there and they've had a lot of time they spent on trying to play catch up and never really did stayed niche and oh well what if yeah i mean <laughs> let, let's talk about one of our one of our favorite projects then like apache nifi yeah 
Do you agree uh, with its location? Just for people not on YouTube, uh, it's located uh, at uh, just before the halfway mark between bleeding edge and mature and just above importance. Um, I agree with it, to be honest. Uh, the problem, I mean, uh, I've talked to my customers, my, my environment about Apache Nifi. When, they, when they're talking at message buses, I usually mention Nifi and I hear what uh, they, they bring back to me. And to be honest, I can't disagree with what I hear. And what I hear is that it's a message bus that wants to be too much. Either I need a message bus because I'm doing microservices, I have a decoupled environment, and I need something like RabbitMQ or Kafka, and that's more than enough. Mm. Kafka is also, for me, falling in that trap by trying to become a persistent storage layer, by becoming mm. a database, which mud muddies the water, and we'll see in the next couple of years how that will uh, go for them. But Apache Nifi, if you compare it with a traditional message bus, is a much more complicated thing yeah. with a lot of promise, a lot of functionality. And if you need it, it's great. It's just that most people don't need the functionality it offers and are kind of scared by the, uh, it's always in production environment. Because the idea for Nifi is you just make your changes in productions because you can just easily change this, cross the streams. It's not a problem with Nifi. Yeah. And for that, I think a lot of people, even if they evaluate it, they, the learning curve perhaps is too high and they decide, well, if I don't understand it, I guess it's not mature enough because it's not easy, easy enough to use. And that's why it's over there. On the other hand, it being relatively high on the importance scale does surprise me because I would assume that if something is still bleeding edge-ish, how can you then consider that as a mission critical business critical component yeah no it does it does make sense i i would probably argue that it's it has crossed over into mature like uh, when i think of of nifi and think of the organizations i've seen using it at scale uh very successfully like, Yes, there are always things that, you know, could have been improved with it and could still be improved with it. But I don't often see, I don't often recall anyone, you know, being concerned about its stability yeah. or, you know, anything along those kind of sides of things. So I think some of it comes down to how you, <laughs> how you define maturity, but I, I would... I would say that that NiFi is a mature technology. I do agree with your point on the on the adoption kind of side of things. That that's just uh, an unfortunate uh, sort of uh, unfortunate thing. As you get deeper and deeper into it, you probably discover more and more, and potentially become more and more afraid of uh, the power that uh, that you may be yeah. exposing. Yeah, 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 uh, so, how about? How about the like the two uh, databases that uh, are reflected here, MariaDB and Postgres? Uh, how do you, how do you like? So they're for, again for those not following along on YouTube, they're both right at the top. In fact, they're above any other data technology in terms of importance to development. Postgres is actually the uh, the one that's furthest to the right. And MariaDB is is kind of all you know pretty much all, all the way along there, but not quite as as far along as Postgres. It's right in the middle of the the mature segment. 
Agree, disagree, surprising, uh, well, not surprising? Not surprising. I mean, importance, every company out there is running at least uh, a MariaDB, MySQL DB, and a PostgreSQL and or a PostgreSQL I mean, they're the most ubiquitous, easy to use. I mean, if mm -hmm. you're using a database, those are the ones you can look at first. The single question I have here is they have MariaDB. Does that include MySQL? Because MySQL oh, isn't listed yeah. here specifically. I would expect uh, so. In that case, I would expect them really to be too much more closer to mature because yeah. MySQL has been around for a long time. It's backed by Oracle. You can't really call that an immature thing anymore. While yeah. MariaDB is a much more recent fork and there is still some decision-making happening there on which way they want to go. So yeah, you could say it's definitely not bleeding edge, far from it, but yeah, less mature than Postgres. Because Postgres is kind of stable. It's you know today was going to be in 10 years time. It's not going to change that hard anymore. MariaDB, if it's not MySQL, specific MariaDB, yeah, I can see it. If it's including MySQL, I would expect it much more closer to Postgres in maturity. Yeah, and that was that was my thinking as well. I, I, I generally think of both of them pretty interchangeably. I know that I know they're not. I know that people are fans of one or the other for a variety of different reasons. But for me, as as not a uh, highly skilled uh, DBA, I, you know, I I don't really see sort of too much between them. I know there are certainly nuances, but in terms of certainly in terms of maturity and importance to modern development, I would see them both as 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 kind of fairly up there. Although you're talking well, Postgres and MariaDB now. Yeah, well, Postgres, MariaDB, MySQL. I yeah. I definitely would would be thinking of those two as the same thing. And again, I know that not, please don't at me. Um, but one question I do have, though, is importance to modern development is one of the things here. Uh, and that's the one thing that gives me pause, which is with so many people, you know, moving more towards, uh, you know, NoSQL environments and using pure object store and, you know, all kinds of other kind of weird, wacky, wonderful things. Again, I don't think this particular survey, I think this particular survey is very much guided towards the audience they surveyed. Mm -hmm. So I don't expect a change here because I think the audience they surveyed are more trailing. But if you were talking to a bunch of very modern microservices oriented um, sort of DevOps folks, would you still expect MariaDB and Postgres to be all the way up there in terms of importance to modern development? Or would you see those technologies going down? Um, no, nope, they'll still be up there because, I mean, you're right. This is a old, old boys uh, chart. <laughs> I mean, cloud is totally absent here. There's not a single cloud technology in there. And if you look at what's up there, it's all very much based on on-premise deployments. I mean, Kafka, NiFi, if you go into a cloud, you're going to be using the stuff that's a SaaS service in the cloud provider. Mm. So, this is definitely modern development, but with some, I guess, old conservative views, let's call it that. But even if you go and go to cloud, you're still bringing the software that you are using on-premise, the development you're doing on-premise. And MariaDB and Postgres are the first tools you will probably start consuming as a service. You mm. might, if you go to Azure, for instance, decide, oh, let's go for the Microsoft SQL database because it's a somewhat easier way of working with it. But if you're on um, uh, Google or Amazon, you're probably going to end up using the MySQL variant they have there as a, as a SaaS service or the Postgres variant if they have one. 
And I do yep. think they have one. The RDS and Amazon has all of these. So they still are the de facto, I need a quick database. It needs to be scalable enough, but it does need mm. to be that warehouse database. And that's not going to change in a long time. NoSQL will not replace that anytime soon. Because even though the usage, the, the, the use cases for NoSQL are getting broader and broader, SQL is still king of the hill in database yeah. land. I mean, that's not going to change anytime soon. Yeah. No, makes sense. Uh, one one quick question because I know we're running a little bit long on on just and then we're just talking about one graph. But uh, <laughs> one one quick question for you, Camel. Why? Why so high? Um, to be honest, I didn't know it existed. That's CamelDB, right? Yeah. I, I've never worked with it. I don't know. Again, it is there's a lot of uh, bias in this in this mm. chart. I think. This isn't based. I mean, it would be great. I mean, we know that uh, GitHub from time to time does these uh, services as well. So I'm looking forward to the next one coming up, which will give us a, a nice way to contrast with this one. But yeah, I mean, Camel, I mean, where's Berkeley DB? <laughs> oh, God. God, no. And with that, we're going to move on to the next graph. So uh, this one is talking about... Uh, it's got a whole bunch of data technologies, and here it does have some of the cloud native cloud services listed. So, like things like Amazon RDS, um, yeah. but it's 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 a set of bar graphs broken out by aware of the database, have used the database, and plan to use the database. Um, and despite the fact that we've already spent about twenty minutes talking about the previous graph, I actually think this one is is more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, uh, we're going to obviously do the right thing and spend far less time talking about it. But, um, you know, MySQL, Postgres, and again, this is one of these wonderful things where they they now don't mention MariaDB, but we're yeah, it assuming... Is a down. It's that, a that, bit further down than the rest. Oh, sorry, yeah, you're right, you're right. They, they, they split it out separately here, but, you know, uh, we're assuming on the previous graph that they would they were conjoined together. Anyway... Um, you know what the the sort of most of these things are not terribly surprising i suppose i'm still slightly surprised that so many people are still planning to adopt mysql and postgres like the from everything we've just talked about you know everyone and their dog has uh, a mysql or a postgres so does that mean that Everyone and their dog and their cat no. is going to have MySQL and Postgres. It's not because you're planning to use it in the future that you're not using it today. So you might also look at this as, yes, we're using mm. it now, and we're also looking at it for future products, for future projects. While if you say, mm, I don't know... That's a, uh, a bit of a stretch to me. <laughs> I'm trying. Give me a jump <laughs> <bone> here. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, the, the list of uh, of products is a bit confusing because here you have MySQL and MariaDB split out each other and Amazon RDS, which is, as far as, can, uh, as I remember, also contains uh, MySQL as a service and even Postgres as a service in there as well. They're all split out, uh, out from each other. So it's a bit of a confusing graph perhaps. But as you said, I think the difference here between the other graph is that the first graph was a result of a survey they did with their internal people. And this is a result of a um, survey they did with external people. Mm. So apparently the open logic people themselves are totally cloud, uh, cloud ignorant. I was going to say agnostic, but no, they don't do anything with cloud. While the external people apparently do. 
because cloud is uh, well reasonably um, uh, represented here, I guess. Uh, I Maybe. do like the fact that Kafka isn't in here. They don't see Kafka as a database yet, so that's a good thing. <laughs> that's true, actually. That is very true. It's not. Uh, it is not listed here. Although it could be in the none of the above uh, category, which a lot of people plan to use. None of the yeah. above. Yeah. Um, uh, more people plan to use none of the above than RavenDB, Jackrabbit, LevelDB, JavaScript. Oh, which is a shame. I like JavaScript and uh, etcd. It's kind of interesting to see a couple of graph DBs here because Neo4j is there, and I'm guessing John's graph is mm. also graph DB. They're pretty yep. low down, which doesn't surprise me because yeah, graph DBs, they're great at what they do. But what but they, they do, do is what they do, and they don't do very much else. Exactly. Uh, but uh, yeah, Neo4j has been kind of popular, I guess. I mean, see, that's as popular as CouchDB. It's, it's up there. Yeah. Um, surprised that Redis is so far down because I mean caching layers are pretty much ubiquitous as well, especially if you're doing anything with web browsers or stuff like that. Although maybe if you're running it in the cloud, you might have some SaaS servers there. Yeah, but then again, like look at the stuff that's above Redis, like Amazon RDS, Elasticsearch, Hadoop, MongoDB, Postgres, MySQL. Yeah, Would you ones, really right? expect them to be Redis to be further up than that? Not really. Where's Oracle? Not open source. Oh yeah, this is this open source only? Yeah. yeah. Yes, it's really an open source. Is Oracle not open source? No. <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. I'm afraid not. Like, did you did you miss that uh, April Fool's announcement? Oracle open sourcing all of their technologies. Uh, yeah, and this one. So there's there's like a pack of of technologies that all have very similar. Uh, ratios like Hadoop, Elastic, Amazon RDS, Redis, and probably MariaDB all have pretty similar like awarenesses of the database, have used and mm -hmm. plan to use kind of numbers. But after that, like it really does drop away sort of quite quickly. It's almost a not quite, but it's almost sort of a, an exponential drop in terms of of technologies below that. There's no real... Yeah, there's no packing anymore. I mean, you have the, the top three, then you have the next one, two, three, four, five, and then you have the sl silent sloping into oblivion, mm. ending with etcd. There's not... But the one thing this... Go ahead. I was just going to say, the, the, the thing that I find a little bit strange is that there's not... There's no real pattern in terms of... Or there's no real... I was I would expect to be able to see, you know, some clear indications of who the next up and comers are, with you know larger bars of people planning to use the technologies. But they're really, apart from the none of the above, the <laughs> ratios of plan to use versus have used and are aware of, all look relatively similar. Like there's. Yep. Yes, there's variations sort of here and there, but the it is it's it's roughly that sort of fifteen to twenty percent, roughly. Yeah, there's no early adopters here. It's just uh, the mm. the stuff that's working well today is the stuff we're going to be starting using tomorrow, and we plan to use uh, in the future as well. Which makes sense, I guess. I mean, from a production production point of view. It's fun to have uh, the, the latest, greatest shiny bauble uh, popping up, but 
if I want to start my next uh, project, I'm not going to use something nobody ever heard of. I'm going to fall back to, hey, if my SQL Postgres can do it, I know those things, I know how they work, I'll continue using it. So this is also a bit of the, the, the force of the communities, I think, because if you mm. look at the top, and my sequence is a bit of a, an odd one out. I mean, that's just something that's hurting me while I look at this graph, having MariaDB and MySQL as separate options there. Because basically they're dropping the replacements. If you look at the technology mm. point of view, uh, at, the, uh, at the use of this thing, it's identical. So basically you should add the MariaDB graph on the MySQL graph. And at that point, my, my sequence is already like a, a quarter higher than the rest, maybe, maybe a fifth. Add MariaDB, they're double. Yeah. There's a huge uh, jump there. While on the f on the earlier graph, apparently MySQL is a lot less mature. Mm -hmm. Now I do agree with the the, the 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 graph here because Postgres is harder to use. MariaDB mm. has less knobs to turn on. It's so you deploy it, you use it, and basically, I think 90% of people don't even tune the databases because it's good enough. While Postgres basically, it's more of a, a CLI tool. While MySQL is more of a GUI tool, if, if that makes sense. But still, that makes it a big, big thing. And then if you add those two together, then it makes sense if you look at this as to the size of the communities around it. The MySQL MariaDB community is huge. The PostgreSQL uh, community is huge. The MongoDB environment is huge. Hadoop still has a big community out there because a lot of people put a lot of money in there and they're still using it, trust me. Yeah. And then if you go to the bottom ones, the, the level DB, the Jackrabbit, the Raven DBs, the none of the above. <laughs> I love that one. I mean, those are more niche things. Uh, Neo4j is still having a reasonable uh, in, uh, community because, well, they are the most used graph to be out there. But this actually looks to me more a graph of what is the most active, most larger community yeah. as opposed to what are you using today? Yeah, no, I, w I would agree. I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. And uh, with that, uh, unless there's any final comments from you on the, the glories of open source data winners. Um, no, I think for me, the winner is the people that look at the communities because that's what open source is all about. Oh. And on that heartwarming <laughs> note, that's all the time we have for you today. You can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon. Every contribution really does help. We're on YouTube. You can like, you can subscribe, you can comment, you can hit the notification bell and do all the YouTube things. Please go to www.roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and for more information about the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag, and you can send your feedback to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is Winning at Open Source Dave. And my name is, I guess I have to write my own databases from now on, Yon. Oh, God. And I we, want to win too. Yon DB. And we look forward <laughs> to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then. It's a good name, though. It rolls off the tongue. Yon, Yon DB. It's the yonder DB. <laughs> <laughs>